0: this is chapter 14. We'll get started this morning. Thank you, Father. You know, uh, we saw the video, and I just want to encourage you uh, to get, uh, to I don't know, go online and listen to Brother Copeland and the vision, the Oral Roberts, go to kcm.org. Uh, find a way, find a way if you have to go to your neighbor's house to listen to the vision. On, uh, uh, We cannot duplicate that CD that was sent to us uh it actually has some things on it that don't even that didn't even come that they didn't even show they cut before they got to the uh network tv last week but anyway brother orl roberts saw a vision and it was shared i believe on the benny hen program then it was shared on uh uh Kenneth Copeland's Believer's Voice of Victory. And it was awake, the vision was a wake-up call to the church. And he said things that are going to appear in the sky and we don't know when, but we're just prepared. We're ready. We're on the alert now. And it did wake me up. I mean, and I like to pride myself that I'm awake spiritually, but you know, we can just be rocked to sleep by the times. And so I, I just alerted myself in a lot of areas, began to listen in a greater dimension, began to watch and pray even more. And I, that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, we're supposed to be uh, at the right place at the right time. In the prayer room a while ago, after we finished praying, I heard the Lord say something that is familiar to us. But, um, you know, President Bush has a, uh, he has a program called no, La- no Child Left Behind, which has to do with, you know, financing things in the school system and so forth. But I heard the Lord say, No Child Left Behind, that that's how he feels that he don't want any, you know, he, Jesus coming back, the rapture's coming, and he doesn't want any child left behind. No child of his left behind. And that's why he sent the wake-up call. And that's why he's waking the world up and waking, you know, some Christians are going to wake up because of the vision, but some are going to wake up when whatever it is that transpires in the sky uh, happens. Amen. We're talking again this morning about the biblical foundation for tithing, and that's what we're we'll going to talk about this morning. Last week I gave you 10 benefits for tithing, but I want to give you the biblical foundation for tithing. And I want to just, uh, we'll just go through this and it'll be a blessing to you, I believe, because we need to know why we do what we do. And, uh, and then we can have faith for it. And, but tithing is found uh, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And tithing was instituted before the law of Moses. You know, uh, we know that the law of Moses, we are not under the law of Moses. But tithing came into being before the law of Moses was ever given. Um, so tithing was literally before the law. It was during the law. And it's in the New Testament after the law. In Genesis chapter 14, verse 14, it says, And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot, and his goods and the women also, and the people. People, and the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedorlaomer and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva which is the king's dale and Melchizedek king of Salem brought forth bread and wine and he was the priest of the most high god and he blessed him and and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. So Abraham tithed on the spoil that he had gained in that battle that he fought. Um, we do not know, because the word does not tell us, how, how Abraham knew to, knew to tithe. We do not really know how Abraham just knew to tithe. But we do know that God talked with Abraham uh, and spoke to him. And so it's very possible that God had spoken that to him uh, to tithe. It's very possible that Melchizedek told him to do it. Many people teach that Melchizedek is an Old Testament appearance of Christ. We know that actually you think, well, Jesus is only in the New Testament. But Jesus appeared... In another form, several times in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. He's, uh, he was the captain of the Lord's army. He was the captain of the Lord of hosts. He was, and we, so throughout the scriptures, we see that. Uh, I believe, uh, uh, you know, he talked to, uh, he, this, and so many people say Melchizedek because the New Testament says Melchizedek had no father or mother. Uh, and you know, some people say, well, that just means that he did, we don't know who his father and mother is. And that, but, but he says he has no father or mother, no beginning or end. And the Bible also says that he was a different order of priest. He was not in, you know, the Levites were the priests and he was of a different order, a different priesthood. And he said, they say, it says that Jesus is in that same priesthood of Melchizedek. So it's probably true that Melchizedek is what we call, uh, theophany, or an, uh, uh, an Old Testament appearance of Christ. In other words, uh, he, Christ per, uh, appearing in a different form. And so uh, d- it may be that Michalzadek just said, Abraham, give me the tithe. We don't know, but the word doesn't tell us. But one thing we do know is that God has always had man set apart something for God. He always has. It's a Bible principle. It started in the very first book of the Bible, just nearly in the very first pages. And pastor always tells you that uh, the earlier something starts in Genesis, the more important it is. And in the very first part of Genesis, God told man, I want you to set something aside just for me, just for God. What did he have him set aside? He had him set aside that one tree in the Garden of Eden. He said, this is not yours. This is not yours to eat. This part is mine. Don't touch it. And we know that 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 is what Adam actually ended up doing. So that that so God's always made man set apart something for him. Turn to Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30. Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus 27, 30. Says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's, it is holy unto the Lord. That's a very important scripture. You know, we know another place in the Bible, the Bible says, God says, I am the Lord God, I change not. And he says, all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's, it is holy unto the Lord.' So the tithe is the Lord's and the tithe is not only the Lord's, the tithe is holy. And so whether the tithe is in the offering bucket, whether it's in your pocket or whether it's in your IRA, it's holy. Hallelujah. And you know, we know we aren't supposed to have holy stuff in our possession. We can read that in the Word. We won't go there today. Uh, but, but it belongs to the Lord. You know, uh, we read and, and, and we've heard teachers teach and we can read in the Word that there's an end time uh, wealth transfer. That the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous, it says in one place. Uh, the Bible says in James, in the New Testament, it says that, that, uh, uh, that, that, that the, that the wicked are working and laboring, heaping up treasure for the end days. I mean, I, how much more specific can you get than that? Well, it's like, well, what right does God have to take somebody, uh, that don't even believe in Him? Maybe they're a, they're an agnostic. Maybe they're an atheist. What right does He have to take their money away and give it to us? Well, this is the scripture that gives God the right to take the tithe. Hallelujah. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord. It is holy unto the Lord. Can you imagine the tithe that has not been paid that's stored up in this earth? Can you imagine that from from when time began, the tithe, the money that's been made from the resources of this, of this earth, which happened to belong to the Lord God? He says, "The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof." He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm telling you, that gold they've mined out of the earth, that uranium, that platinum, that those precious metals, that all—guess who's that all belongs to? Hallelujah. I don't care if you have mineral rights. I'm an oil baroness myself. Hallelujah. I get an oil check. I, I tell you, I get an oil check. Hallelujah. It will just spin your head. It's so big. No, my grandmother, my great grandmother, she had oil royalties. She made a pretty good sum, but she had 13 kids. So when you divided it 13 ways and then, and so my daddy went ahead, he wanted to, him, him and my mom are divorced. And so my dad didn't want Rita's kids to get it, basically. He want to keep it in the family, so I already got it. He already gave it to me because I'm an only child. So I get half of my grandmother's part. And so it's big, big, big. Hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. No, it's... Hallelujah. Everybody's like, glory. Well, hallelujah. The more... See, you no, know, so when the price of gas goes up, my check goes from 30-something dollars... To $49 I got this month. Hallelujah. And Michael says, I'm so glad I'm married to an oil baroness. Hallelujah. I said, well, you ought to be. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But that oil, I don't care who owns the mineral rights. I don't care. That stuff, all the resources of the earth, they belong to Him. God's just letting us use them. And I, I just, you know, I just see that, that tithe on all that oil, all that Iraqi oil. Woo! Hallelujah. All that gold from when the, when they had the gold rush. All that uranium and platinum and all that stuff. There's all those precious jewels that they're digging out of the earth. Hallelujah. The tithe. Hallelujah. Man, God's got a plan and it's good, isn't it? So he says, it belongs to me, the tithe, and it's holy. And then verse in 32, it repeats that. He says, and concerning the tithe of the herd of the flock, even that of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. And that's what tithe means. It means tenth. Did you know there's only six times in the Bible that the the words, it is holy, are used? It is holy is used concerning the tithe three times. Three times the word talks about the tithe, but it says it is holy. It talks about the holy anointing oil, that the holy anointing oil is holy. It says that the Sabbath is holy, and it says in Psalm 99 that his name is holy. Well, I want to tell you something, family, today. His name is still holy. The anointing is still holy. The tithe is still holy, and guess what? The Sabbath is still holy too. Deuteronomy chapter fourteen, verse twenty-two. Glory to God. No, God doesn't change. If it was holy then, it's holy now. Deuteronomy fourteen twenty-two. Thou shalt truly tithe. Are y'all there? Fourteen twenty-two. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Thou shalt truly tithe. All the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. So we tithe on the increase. Hallelujah! It's not uh, like uh, the government says, uh, "I want you to inventory everything." You you know, if you're a businessman, you have to inventory what you own and you have to pay a tax on it. No, God doesn't say that. He says, "I want you to tithe on the increase. What you increased when you get paid, I want you to tithe because t- getting paid is increase." Hallelujah! If you don't think t- getting paid is increase, just try doing without it for a while and you'll say that was increase. Yeah. Hallelujah! So we're always to tithe on the increase. And let's look in the New Testament and see what Jesus says about the tithe. Hallelujah. How many of you think what Jesus would say would be important? Turn to Matthew 23, 23. I believe what Jesus says is important. I'm going to read this to you from the New Living Translation because it's really clear. It says, How terrible. It will be for you teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even in the tiniest part of your income, but you ignore the important things of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. And then here he says, you should tithe. Yes, but you should not leave undone the more important things. And that's what it says in the King James also, but it's just like so clear in that version I wanted you to see it. But it says, uh, in the King James, it says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin. And so he's talking about little bitty seeds, a mint, anise, and cumin. So he said, in the tiniest part of your income, you're so diligent to tithe, but you've omitted the weightier things of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. He said, these ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. So He didn't say, well, you shouldn't tithe. But He said, no, you need to tithe, but you need to do these other things too. And so uh, Jesus points that out to us, that it's important, but it's not the only thing. It's very important, but it's not the only thing. You know, some people want to give their tithe, and then then they don't want to do anything else. And that's not that's not God's way either. He says, uh, in twenty three twenty five, he said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. I'm telling you, folks, you can tithe all you want to, but if you got sin on the inside, it's not going to help a great deal. So it's not just tithing, but it's, it's being clean on the inside too. He said, you can't just do an outward show of tithing. God looks on the heart. And he's looking at the inside, and I'm telling you, it's time to get clean. That wake-up call was a part of getting clean, getting everything out of your life that's sin. Now's the time we have a little window of opportunity. We have a little opportunity here to get ahead of the game, to be positioned right, to to get anything out of our life that's that shouldn't be there. And I'm telling you, Christians all over the earth got lots of stuff in their life that shouldn't be there. I mean, it's obvious if you just look at the body of Christ that there's lots of stuff there that shouldn't be there. Hallelujah. Uh, Turn to Luke chapter 11, verse 42, and let's continue to look at what Jesus said about tithing. We're in a wake-up time. And how long do we have? We may have till the first of the year. Uh, We may have till tomorrow to wake up. Hallelujah. By the way, I will tell you this just from doing a little bit of research through some people that I trust, not just looking up anybody, but just some people that I trust, that Brother Oral Roberts was not the only person in the, only prophet in the land to start to hear something about something coming. And there's several actually that have heard some of those things. Uh, Luke 11, verse 42. Hallelujah. If you're prepared, you won't have to be afraid. Praise God. Luke eleven forty two, Jesus talking again. But woe unto you, Pharisees, for ye tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass over judgment and the love of God. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. I'm going to read this in the in the New Living Translation also. But how terrible it will be for you Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest part of your income, but you completely forgot about justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but you should not leave undone the more important thing. One of the things that's so very important that we don't leave undone and that we do continue to tithe but we don't leave this undone is the love of God. That's what he pointed out in Luke eleven forty two. That was different than in Matthew. He said, "Don't leave that undone." The love of God. Matthew twenty two thirty seven verse forty says that we Jesus said, "Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind." This is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to it: "Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself." On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So not only do we need to tithe, but we need to get the, the, the we need to get the love of God right we need to be loving him not loving the Bible says that if you love the things of this world you are the enemy of God if you just love all those movies they put out you are an enemy of God now I'm not I didn't say if you ever go to the movie I said if you love all of those they put out if you can read all those books on the New York Times bestseller list and you don't have any conviction about that, man, I'm telling you, that's the world. That's their system. That, you are become an enemy of God. Those things are against God. And so we got to get at the love of God straight. Start loving Him. You know how you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind? You decide to. You just decide to. God, and you tell Him you do. And you tell him, you tell him, Lord, I know, I, I, I know, I need, I need to love you more. And you start talking to him about it. Only he can work a work on the inside of you. Only he can clean us up. Only he can change our desires, and our desires change in his presence. Our, our, th- we get, we, we. You know, if you put yourself under the law and you say you can't do that, guess what? You will want to go do it. And if I get up here and tell you don't go to the movies, y'all will all be there this afternoon. And I'm not telling you that in the, but I'm not even I'm not even telling you that. But but you see, and you know, just tell yourself you can't have dessert today. And you just watch how bad you want it. Now you can you can will yourself through that, and after a few days, that pressure will lighten up until the till somebody else besides you's eating something, and you'll want it, you know. But you know, but God changes us from the inside out, and He changes our desires. Like one preacher said, "I sin all I want to. God just changed my want to." But you don't get your want to changed by just saying, uh, uh, "Yeah, I believe Jesus is the Son of God." Well, you get your want to changed by making Him Lord and getting in His presence and loving Him and fellowshipping with Him. And as you love Him, things will begin to change in your heart. I know when we got filled with the Spirit, I began to love God in a way I hadn't loved Him when I was just a Christian going to heaven. I began to love Him in a way. And you know what? The want to in me just changed. I was addicted to days of our lives and and the want to changed. And God never said, I want you to quit watching days of our lives. He didn't say it, it just the want-to left. The want-to went. The want why? Because I started loving him. That's, a, that's an important thing, Jesus said. It's not enough in these last days. Say, oh, yeah, I'm a tither. Well, okay. But do you love God? Hallelujah. Because he said that's weightier. Jesus said that's more important more important. We don't uh, we don't tithe under the law. We do not tithe because this is a rule. We tithe under the law of love. Because we love Him. We love Him. And you know, we love Him and we recognize this earth is yours. I, I wouldn't, I couldn't breathe if you didn't give me breath. I couldn't, I wouldn't have a penny in the bank if you didn't give it to me. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. I, you, the, you, the, even the thing that you use to earn your money is the gift he placed inside of you. The strength he put in your body, the the brain he, he equipped. You know, some of us he gave a different amounts to in that area. You know. Well, I know he must, something must be different because some of those mathematicians and physicists and all that kind of stuff, it's like, I don't think in those realms. I don't know how you do, but I don't. Hallelujah. So something's different up there, but they could, they wouldn't know it. They wouldn't have it. Everything that's ever been discovered, everything that's ever been invented that's good came down from him. And, you know, because we recognize that, we don't have to have a rule that says, you know, my little grandfather actually thought, and he he, I, he said this, because this is how he was raised up under this kind of thinking, uh, religiously, I mean. And it's like, you don't, if you don't tithe, God will get it one way or another. Another. Maybe y'all know that about you. Hallelujah. They believed it. And, you know, but we don't tithe. We've learned something that we don't have to tithe under the law. We don't tithe out of fear. We tithe on a, under a higher law. We tithe under the law of love. The law of love is the highest law of all. And so we, not, we get our love for God right, you know, and we get our love. You know, one of the things that's so important with this wake-up call is that we get our love walk right. And we, you know, we get rid of all unforgiveness, all bitterness, all strife. Be reconciled. Get our love walk right. Brother Hagen used to say, a step out of love is a step out of faith. Amen. Glory to God. Um, so we tithe under the law of love and we tithe under the law of grace. Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. See, that's one reason makes me want to tithe is because uh, I got saved by grace through faith and the faith wasn't even mine. He gave me the faith. It's not even of myself. You know, we don't have anything to boast about. You don't have anything to boast about. No matter what you have, you don't have anything to boast about. Hallelujah. Well, I've made a lot of money. You only did because God gave you the power to, and He gave you the power to so you could be a blessing in the earth. That's the only reason. You know why the rich have money God gave them the power to so they could be a blessing? Not all of them are being a blessing, but He gave them the power to. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, <laughs> turn to Deuteronomy 12, 11. Let's look at a couple other things about the tithe. So we're under a law of love. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love you. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to walk in love. You know, I learned a long time ago, it's just lots more trouble to be mad and bitter and upset. It's just a lot of work. It is a lot of work to be hurt. And you know, besides all that, I talk to tell people, well, I got hurt. Well, join the club. Hallelujah. Come up here and we'll have an initiation ceremony. Because everybody in this church has been hurt. Hallelujah. Glory. The devil's faithful, isn't he? But I like what Andrew Momack says. He's outnumbered. I mean, no, no, that's not what he says. He says he's short handed. I like that. He's short handed. The devil cannot create. And so there's the same number of demons that there was when Jesus and them walked the earth. Well, there's a whole bunch more people, so he's running short handed these days. But God can create any time he wants to. And I guarantee you he's keeping that supply of angels way high. Glory to God. The devil's shorthanded these days. Um, Deuteronomy 12, 11. Is that what I told y'all? Let's see. Find it here, Uh, Debbie. Then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Thither shall ye bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the heave offering of your hand and all your choice vows which ye vow unto the Lord. I think that's real important. He's telling us where to bring our tithe and he says tithe, first of all, it's a place. It's not a TV show. It's a place. And you know, he says, bring the tithe. It's always more scriptural to bring the tithe than to mail the tithe. Now, if I couldn't, you know, if I was bed fast and I couldn't, I'd mail it. But the scriptural way, if you want to be accurate scripturally, you bring your tithe. Uh, And he said, uh, you bring your tithe to a place where his name is there. Where his name is there. Let me read to you, and I don't have to turn there, but Psalm 91, verse 14. It says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he knows and understands my name. Has a personal knowledge of my mercy, love, and kindness. Trusts and relies on me, knowing I will never forsake him. No, never knows and understands my name. You know, there's a difference to just, oh yeah, Jesus. Yeah, that was the guy born in the manger. Yeah, that's the guy. That, that, that's that guy. That, there's a lot of difference in that, in knowing the name, knowing the power of the name, knowing. He said in Amplified, it says, knows and understands the my name. That's where your tithe needs to go, in a place where they're, in a place, in a place where they know and understand the power of the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, that disqualifies some places, doesn't it? You know, this has got to be a place where they know that it's Jesus and they're willing to say the name of Jesus. It's not a place where they call him the man upstairs. Not a place where they call him the good Lord. It's not a place where they call him, a, uh, 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 what's that? Christ. The devil don't want you to say the name of Jesus. He would re- he'd, he'd, he'd rather you say Christ. In Christ's name. He don't want you to say in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Religion doesn't like the name of Jesus. Turn to Malachi chapter 3. So there's an understanding of the power of that name. Jesus. Oh, such power. And there's just, uh, I tell all of heaven stands still when we say the name of Jesus. Malachi 3.8. This is the, the famous, the famous, most famous passage on tithing. It says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, but ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. So it they, would be possible, wouldn't it, from what it says here, to rob God and tithes and offerings. And you know, uh, God wanted me to say to you this morning, He said, I want my people to know that I'm not throwing lightning bolts down from heaven. Or like grand grand said, you know, grand grand used to say, "Now you don't tithe, God'll get it one way or another. He'll make you sick, so you have to go to the doctor, and you'll pay the doctor your tithe." You know or, I mean, that was his theology. That's not that's not good doctrine. That's not good theology. That doesn't line up with the character of God. God doesn't have any sickness to give anybody. Hallelujah, and uh, uh, so he's not from, uh, he's not in heaven throwing down lightning bolts. But I'll tell you, the curse is out there. And it has been since the Garden of Eden. The curse is in this world. God doesn't have to send a curse. It's here, folks. It's already here. And when we don't tithe, or when we do tithe, when we do tithe, we get in a sheltered place. We get in a place where God can protect us. And when we don't tithe, and we know to especially, hallelujah, we come out into a place. We're just subject to the world. That's, That's the only way to put it. We're subject to the world. And the world, this world, is under a curse. The curse is out there. I want to be in the secret place. I'm so glad I didn't have to worry because they didn't have enough flu vaccine this year. I am so glad they are up in arms. They are, and they even said on the news last night, uh, it's just about sure you'll get it if you don't take the flu vaccine. I mean, you, I, I know that the media blows things out of proportion too. And I, but I'm so glad. I mean, we're not even, we don't even have to think about that. Hallelujah. Because we know we can take our vaccine this morning. We can turn over to Psalm 91 and we can take our vaccine and say, no plague will come nigh my dwelling. Hallelujah. And we need to stay in faith about that. And we need to stay in that secret place. And there's more than one. i tell you something else. There's more than one thing besides tithing that keeps you in that secret place. There's other things besides tithing. You get out there in the sin realm and you're in His realm. You're in the devil's realm, and if you got your mouth hooked up to that realm, and the Lord said to me, boy, the Lord's been talking to me this week about finances, and he told me he said, "You know the words afford are not in my system. He said those are world system words he said can, and he said he just he just brought this thought to my mind. Can you imagine God looking over? And it's so asking Peter or somebody, you know, it's always Peter when the, in the comedies. Peter, can we afford that? I mean, that just wouldn't happen, would it? Can we afford that? You think we can afford that? No. He, the, those words are over in a different... Those are in the world system. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we need to take those words out of our vocabulary. We just need to take those words. And, you know, not make decisions. Hallelujah. 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 Just a different realm. Um, And our words can bring us under... You know, if you walk around saying, boy, I hope I don't get the flu. You know. If you walk around talking about, I'll probably get it. You know. We got to use our words too to stay. We got to use our tithe. Our tithe gives us confidence. Confidence. And we got to use our words to stay protected. We got to keep our lives clean and holy. And nobody can really tell you how to what' sin for me might not be sin for you. But we got to big enough be big enough to say no. I'm not going there. Not doing that. Not watching that. Not you know. And it, it's it, you know, we we've got to be led by the Spirit. Hallelujah let's turn to Hebrews 7 and look what Paul said about the time. Now, the curse is already out there. God doesn't have to throw light and bolts down from heaven if He even wanted to, and He doesn't, but the curse is out there. He's trying every way in the world to get us out of the curse, get us redeemed from the curse, helping us walk apart from the curse. He's doing everything He can to get that revelation to us because that's what it takes to walk apart from the curse is revelation. Hallelujah. You can do all the right things, family. You can live holy lives. You can live very holy lives, but if you don't have revelation, you still will be coming under the curse. Hallelujah. And that doesn't excuse us. Oh, well, I got revelation so I don't have to live a holy life. No, God's calling us to holiness. Hebrews 7, 5 says, And verily they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law. That is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. So um, he gives us some things here. Paul says... uh, that the people, those that are to receive tithes are those that stand in the office. In the old covenant, it was the office of priests, but now, you know, you tithe. Uh, the person that receives your tithe should be somebody standing in a five-fold ministry office not and the pastor being the one because he's the one that, that tends the storehouse or the local church. We know the storehouse is God's house because in Malachi, he said, bring you all the tithe into the storehouse. The next verse, he said that there might be meat in my house, so we know the storehouse is my, is God's house. And so the tender of God's house is the pastor of the local church. So you bring your tithes to that person that stands in the office. I mean, there's been lots of people even so that we've known throughout the years that wanted to tithe, but they, they were like, well, my kids are going to college and I'm tithing to them. We actually had a family that was tithing to their kids that were away at college. I mean, because they were just like, well, we take 10% out. But no, it's somebody that's standing in an office. We know that from this scripture. And so in the new covenant, it's the pastor. And the Bible says he's commanded to receive tithes. It's a command from God to receive tithes. Have you ever heard about these churches where they like, they don't ever talk about offerings. They just put a bucket at the back or a basket at the back. My mom's going to a church like that right now. They don't talk about offerings and they just put a basket at the back. And the pastor does not draw a salary because he has a retirement, and you know that's out of God's order. Because even if he draws a salary, even if he has enough money to live on, he's supposed to draw a salary because he, those that labor in the word, are to be paid. They're to be paid. Now he can turn around and give it all back, sow it, if God leads him. But it's it is it is God's principle that whoever whoever. Labors in the Word will be paid from the Word. And they can, and He can turn around and give it all back if He's got retirement. Hallelujah. That just frees Him up to sow more. That's a blessing. Praise God. But it, but pastors and ministers are, pastors are commanded to receive tithes. It's a command of God. Hallelujah. It robs the people. It robs the people. It robs you of your blessing. If we don't teach on tithes, you get robbed. You get robbed of your blessing. You get robbed of the benefits. You'll be out there and you won't know that the devourer can be rebuked for your sake. You won't know that you don't have to, your vine does not have to cast its fruit before it's time. It will rob you if you don't tithe. And if we don't teach you, it robs you. It hurts you. And if we don't keep you refreshed in it, if we don't keep you stirred up and, and in faith about your tithe, that's why we teach on giving in every offering. We don't take an offering and just say, oh, okay, we're going to pass the plate. That hadn't happened maybe twice in the whole time we'd been here. but that was And that was just like something or some. We're in a big hurry for some reason. But we don't do that. We teach. Why? So you'll have faith. So you'll have faith about what you're doing. Uh, then it says... Uh, when we tithe here on earth, even though it's a natural man receiving the tithe. See, a lot of people have a lot of problems with giving something to a natural man. But, but Paul told us here, there he receives him. He said, though men that die receive tithes here on earth. That's what Hebrews just said. Though men that die receive tithes here on earth, there he receives them. So when you put your tithe in the bucket, we just take it back, count it, put it in the bank, pay the bills. I mean, that is as simple as tithe first. But the church tithes too. Gives 10% off the top and, and sends it to other ministries. Hallelujah. And the mission the mission field and so forth. But when you tithe, it seems so natural because of these men, these ushers receive it. The pastor talks about it. And you know, like, man, this can't be very spiritual because look, those guys receive it. I don't care. You know, and we've been in a church before where there was an usher stealing from the offering. I mean, uh, there was an usher, and he got caught. And this is this has not been very long ago, and this was low. This was re, not too far from here, and there was an usher. He was taking uh, uh, offering envelopes and putting them in his pockets, and a man. He was not too smart. You know, the the devil will deceive your mind and, and you'll, and when you, when you're lying and living a lie, you'll goof, you'll mess up. And he left some offering envelopes kind of stuck between his seat and loaned his car out. And a member of that church saw those offering envelopes and went to the pastor. And that man had stole thousands of dollars. And then they uncovered his life. And he, he had lied to the whole church and told the church he was a football player for the University of Alabama, ex football player, or former football player, however you want to say that. They started looking into it. He had never been to school at the University of Alabama, never been a, a, a player at the University of Alabama. Hallelujah. But you know what? Not to worry. Not to worry, don't matter if he stole them. God received them there. You still get the benefit. Now the church got a, the church got them something missing, but that you still got the benefit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that whole man's life was a scam. He had a he had a business going and he was like um uh, going around to uh, uh like car places where lots of men work and he would go get up like four o'clock in the morning and he would go and take these uh, uh like breakfast like biscuit egg buns and stuff and he would take them and sell them to those men And you know men get there to work early they'll buy that stuff and uh uh <laughs> and and he even had his van painted and he was kind of known as the biscuit man or something like that. I don't know what. And he and everybody was like, You you know, and he supposedly got up like three o'clock in the morning, made these biscuits, fried the eggs, fried the bacon, wrapped these up. They found out he was going to Hardee's re wrapping them. <laughs> Telling he wasn't the his whole life was a scam. He wasn't the biscuit man. He wasn't a he wasn't a University of Alabama football player. I mean, we know this man. He brought us a biscuit. <laughs> I, I thought he sure was a good cook. Heart, so so see, hardy is better than you think. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. I want to tell you two biblical principles. We're going to close real quick, and it won't take me but a second. They'll help you interpret scripture, including those on tithing. Number one, you just remember this: any system or method of God that changed from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, any system of God that changed from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, God explained in detail how it changed. For instance, one system that changed was that we no longer receive our cleansing from sin by the blood of bulls and goats. But Jesus is now the propitiation of our sin, and God explained that completely and thoroughly in the New Testament, how that had changed. Another system that changed in the New Testament was the dietary law. The dietary law changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Everybody say, "Thank God, thank God for the pig." Hallelujah! <laughs> Everybody like ham in here, you know, ham and bacon and all that good stuff. Anyway, uh, in First Timothy chapter four, verse three is one of the places he points that out. That uh, he points out that. Uh, all food now is to be received if it is if, 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 it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. And you know, that does not mean that we say, now, Lord, bless this food and bless the hands that prepare it. That don't sanctify your food. Because we've been given the authority. Don't ask him to bless it. He's given you the authority. You're supposed to say, I, I call this food sanctified. And the Lord told us several years ago, say, declare it's clean and holy. So we say that when we pray, we say, we declare it. We call this food sanctified. We declare that this is clean and holy. And so it don't matter what they did in it; they can spit in it. They can do whatever they do in it. If it, it, you know, or it can just be that the kitchen's not that great or that clean. You ever go in one of them's rated eighty-five? <laughs> Oh, we just eat in them anyway. We just go like, praise God. It's sanctified. It's clean. It's holy. Hallelujah. Now we've just kind of got a limit. I've got a limit on, you know, just about below 85 and I'm just not going, but you know, hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you. Je- I just don't want to tempt Christ <laughs> as you've heard. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So that's, that's, that's a principle. Number, of, next second principle that, that, that you can interpret Bible scripture with is God never uses a lie to teach a truth he 'll never use a lie to teach you truth. Now, the example of that is this: Remember when a division appeared to Peter, and a sheet came down from heaven, and he said, "Peter, kill and eat and Peter said, "Not so, Lord, Nothing unclean's ever touched my lips. Something to that effect and uh, and peter and God said, "Don't call what i've made clean, don't call it unclean and He told him to go to the Gentiles to go to Cornelius' house specifically well. Uh, See, a lot of times people, there's a lot of people like to bring you back under that Old Testament dietary law. But God, we we know that can't be true because God would not have told Peter a lie, Peter kill and eat, in order to get a truth across to him that the Gentiles, you need to go to them. They're not unclean. You need to go to the Gentiles and preach this gospel. God won't use a lie to teach you the truth. And so, therefore, both parts of the vision had to be true in order for God to use it. So, so the animals are not unclean anymore. You can eat, I mean, if you want to, you can eat cri- uh, bugs or whatever, you know, and they do a lot of places. That's just a, you know, those crickets and stuff. They're like, my man, that's good stuff. That's good eating. No, hallelujah, saute them and hallelujah. So, he would never use a lie to tell you a truth. And so we take that into the realm of tithing. And a lot of people want to prove the tithe is not for today. But, if they, but but using this principle, then Paul couldn't have said, here men receive tithes, but there God receives them. He couldn't have said that because it wasn't the truth. In order to prove another point, he couldn't have done it. So therefore, he had to be telling us the truth in order to prove his point. Hallelujah. So therefore tithing is for today. God didn't change. God didn't explain any change in the New Testament. Therefore tithing is for today. So we're tithing. And if you're not, get to tithing. This is the time to make the adjustment. This is the time to repent. This is the time to, if, if you, if you are a tither, you believe in tithing, but you, you slipped up. You let it slip. Just repent and start today. Start fresh, hallelujah. The mercies of God are new every morning. Start fresh today, hallelujah. Praise God and be a tither. I've never, I tell you what, I've been so blessed because I've been a tither. I even tithe on my garage sales. And I tell you, I don't have garage sales anymore, but I used to have the best garage sales in the whole world. I mean, everybody will to come to my garage sale. Pastor said, well, we're buying at retail and selling at garage sale prices. But hallelujah. Don't matter. I was, I was having a good time and I was blessed. Let's stand up together.